0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW, group void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 320 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Thursday evening, June 10th, 2021. We are back. We're going to talk a little coach. K. We're going to talk a little this, a little of that, but we have a, we're on a limited, the tight schedule tonight because Jason Evans has to get somewhere. So let's go very quickly through the introductions. I'm Sam Klein. I am your host. Nothing in particular is interesting happening in my life right now. Donald is back from his trip out West. Donald, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. My voice only sounds like a blender and no longer like an unfolded lawn chair. So we're working towards perfection. Uh, but after three games, I am dead tired and the show keeps going. I'll be
1: back on the road next week. You sound better than I think you're giving yourself credit for. But Jason Evans is here and he is I think he's in his car recording. Yes. Jason, what's what's
3: happening? So, yeah, so this is kind of crazy. I'm the guy who's on a press schedule. I am recording. Like You know, we've, we've done some some podcasts from some strange locations. Sam did it from a parking lot, I, I, like a bus station. A few I've been in a car.
1: It was a Hooters parking lot.
3: There we go. Uh, <laughs> Do- Donald just did one from the airport a couple days ago. I am at a McDonald's as we speak um, using McDonald's Wi-Fi. Why am I at a McDonald's? Because in about 45 minutes, I will be doing something I have not done in more than a year. I am going to the movies. There is a press screening tonight. It is the first media press screening I have attended um, since March of last year. I'm going to see The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds, Salma Hayek. Looks I good. Think this is going to be I'm looking forward I don't think to. It. going to be a great movie. Probably fine, but I'm just so excited to be going back to the movies. But I had to get close to the movie theater. It's far away from my house, and to get close to the movie theater, man, I wasn't at home, and so that's why I'm in a McDonald's parking lot. There we go.
1: I, a few weeks ago, I don't know if we talked about this a few weeks ago, that I went to a minor league baseball game for the first. I know Donald just went to a soccer a couple of soccer games. I went to a minor league baseball game a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to my first Red Sox game this weekend since I moved to Boston. So that is that is very exciting. And nice. it turns out, fun fact, Red Sox tickets, more expensive than Rockies tickets. I know this is Correct. shocking. <laughs> this is shocking. News. So anyway, uh, we have we have a whole hodgepodge of things to talk about. Nothing is is particularly pressing, but we have to get on and talk because because the Coach K stuff is happening and the John Shire stuff is happening and there's news from Congress that we have to address, which we don't normally do here, but of course we have to address news from Congress. So let's get right into all of it. Let's start with a a quick, uh, just very quick national media roasting session. And I'm going to let Jason Evans open the floor here because Andy Katz, Longtime national college basketball writer has written for a few different publications, but Andy Katz put out a list for some reason of his top teams coached by coach K the other day. And we talk all the time on the show about our, our favorite Duke teams our our best Duke teams who would win in a tournament, yada, yada, yada. These sorts of things have come up all the time when we're talking about everything under the sun related to Duke basketball. But Jason Evans, I know you have a gripe about the way Andy Katz did his ranking. Sir, I cede you the floor. Tell us why Andy Katz is a silly man.
3: So we have to start by telling people what Andy Katz ranked as the top 10 Duke teams of all time. And I'll go through this quickly. He said the 1991 national champs are number one. The 92 national champs, back to back, they are number two. He then had the 2001 national champions return to glory. He had them number three, the 1986, National runner-up, number four. 2019, Zion Williams and R.J. Barrett, the Elite Eight team. He says the fifth best Coach K team of all time. Then 1990 runner-ups, 2010 national champs. 99 runner-up is the eighth place team. The 2015 national champs come in in ninth. And the 2006 Sweet 16 team um, came in 10th. That's a team with J.J. Reddick, a very fine team. So Andy Katz is crazy. Um, this list is Uh, largely complete and absolute bunk. The first thing that jumped out at me is the fact that he has the 1999 national runner-up team as number eight is just absurd. They should be no worse than number three on the list. I know they didn't win a national title, but they absolutely decimated the ACC by a record margin that year. Uh, There's no question in my mind. That's one of the three best teams that coach K has ever coached and his number one team, 1991 national champs. Look, it was Coach K's first national champion. That's not the best team Coach K's ever had. That team had seven losses. It lost by 17 to Virginia at one point. It lost by nine points to an unranked Wake Forest team. It lost by 22 points to North Carolina in the ACC tourney. The best Coach K team does not lose by 22 points to North Carolina. You could, definitely talk,
1: me into, you could talk me into those first two national champions for Duke as being the worst two national champions that Duke has had. Oh, right. no, I, like in terms of in terms of star power they're not but like but like records and and all that like like you said that that team and the 92 team both suffered big losses um, no no
3: wait wait you go back and look because i think i think there's a, a there's a triumvirate i think 1992 2001 and 1999 and you can argue about which order they go in those three to me stand out above all the rest and i actually think Um, He has at number four, the 1986 national runner-up. That's who would be my number four as well. That team won a record number of games. They just didn't win the last game because they forced an air ball that Purvis Ellison put back in for a basket. If that ball hit the rim, they would have gotten the rebound and won that game and they'd be number one on the list. Um, But to me, 92, 2001, 99 are the best. 96 is next. And then it's a whole bunch of different ones that you can come in after that.
1: Donald, I want your quick take on this, and then I have another topic that I want to ask you about.
2: Yeah, so I, I think also Andy Katz was doing something other than being knowledgeable uh, when he made this list. I, I agree with Jason. My top three is 2001. Obviously, if you have listened to this show, you know that 2001 is and forever will be my favorite team in Duke history. Uh, 1992 and then 1999. I think those three are the the real you know, cream of the crop when it comes to Duke teams. And I think there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, there's some teams on this list that, yeah, you know, 28, uh, 2019 uh, with uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish was one of my favorite teams, but I don't know if it was you know, the best team. And I don't, I definitely don't think it is above that of 1999.
3: You, you know, I want to do one other thing. Uh, Andy Katz also ranked the top individual games, top Coach K wins all time. And in number one, the, the top place, he had the 1991 Final Four victory over UNLV. Not the national championship game, national semifinals. I, I want to give Andy his credit where it's due, which is I agree with him. That, that 1991 win over UNLV is the top win in Coach K's history. No question about it. Making that team believe that they could beat that UNLV team is one of the most impressive feats of motivation in college basketball history. But But I was really intrigued. He did not mention at all. I think one of the five top wins, top games in Coach K history was the 2018-2019 opening game against Kentucky, where Duke won by almost 30 points and the team became an absolute national sensation. Um, And I actually think another game that, that wasn't on his list, the 2001 Final Four against Maryland, where Duke comes back from 22 points, the largest comeback in Final Four history, that should be in the conversation um, as well as the 2001 regular season finale where Coach K went, Carlos Boozer gets hurt, Coach K goes small, changes the way that college basketball, that all of basketball is played by going small against UNC and, and blowing out the Tar Heels in a game that no one thought they had a chance in. Um, so uh, I, I, I just think it's really interesting. He got the first one right, but then Andy Katz completely blows all the rest of the top games in addition to blowing the top teams. So
2: the reason why I think this is a little convoluted i i i can agree with you i can't debate uh what you just said jason for this reason when he says top he was kind of fluctuating between best and important and i think those are two very different things because i think the best win is just the best game obviously was the 1992 elite eight win over kentucky It's the greatest game of all time the 1991 final four win is the most important in Duke history, under, under Coach K, but there is one game, Jason, that you didn't mention, and that he didn't mention, and that is gone in fifty-four seconds, which to me is in the top three uh, of the best games. And and of course, we can talk about yes, the first you know fifty not you know forty thirty-nine minutes and six seconds weren't that great, but that game, the comeback, make saying that he's going to believe everything that you've talked about in hashtag Return to Glory, you have to have that in the top five and for me it is
3: top three and you will never ever convince me otherwise no debate from me look nobody has gotten to know the 2001 team like i have and we've talked about three of their games as being some of the top games of all time i, I don't disagree with you donald uh what a special season um huh? and folks if you haven't listened to return to glory you're missing you're missing out <laughs> Hashtag you return glory
1: you, know, you haven't even gone deep on the the game from that season that I know I attended and have a burning memory of, which was the Elite Eight game against USC. It was played in Philadelphia. I remember it because it's like one of the very first Duke games I ever went to. And my, my strong memory of it is that the Blue Devil was wearing a headband. If you remember, if you've been to a Duke game, you know that the Blue Devil always wears a headband that has a funny saying on it about the other team or about Duke. And that night Duke was playing USC and it said, we're too big for Trojans. So with that, I am going to move on to the next topic, which is a question for Donald. Donald, I know you wanted to talk this year about the, there are a lot of aspects of, of how this season is going to be for Duke and how it's going to be so different from any other season because it's Coach K's last season. They're making the transition to John Shire. And the three of us have been talking about trying to get together to go to the game in Las Vegas where Duke is going to be playing Gonzaga. And we were fretting about the ticket market for that. Donald, give me some thoughts about the ticket market this coming season for Duke basketball and, and some things that you have encountered uh, in recent days in relation to that.
2: Well, I want to quickly start. It was This was an announcement that Duke Athletics made a few days ago that was – Uh, not, not unexpected, but still it drove a lot of excitement. And that is that every athletic event on campus starting this fall will be open to capacity for fans at 100%. And that includes the 9,314 people that can legally be allowed inside of Cameron indoor stadium at coach K court. Why is that significant? Well, if you have ever been to Cameron, you know, getting a Cameron ticket is one of the hardest things to do in sports. It is the most coveted ticket in all of sports, why? Because Duke is so great, because of all the prestige and the, in the, in the, you know, just the legacy of Coach K, and also because Cameron is tiny. It is a, is you can't even some high schools in some states wouldn't consider that a gym big enough to hold their games, but thus we have it because it packs everyone in and it has a lot of home court advantage. I say that to say this: this season, if you thought that getting a Cameron ticket was impossible before, it is going to be a whole new level this season because of the fact that this is coach K's last game and not just any game in Cameron. We're obviously going to be playing the game in Las Vegas. Uh, The three of us were talking the other day about how hard it has been to get tickets in any part of the arena for any decent price to that game, because that game is very, uh, is very anticipated, highly anticipated. And then you're going to have other games that are outside of Cameron. You know, a lot of us like to go on the road and go to games at North Carolina or go to games at UVA or go to games at NC state, that that's going to be impossible too, because everyone is going to want to see this last Duke team headed by the greatest of all time. So uh, save your money now, ladies and gentlemen, get to know your contacts, start buying them dinners or whatever they need, because when it comes down to it, everyone, everyone who's listening is going to want to get to Cameron at some point this season. And it's going to be very difficult too. And when you get extra tickets, look out for the three of us because we're going to try and get to as many as we
1: can too. We, we want to be your friends for that. So, because we
2: are definitely your friends for that. We are, I'm not we are on really campus good campus So, the,
1: the level of hookup has just you know, plummeted for me in that, <laughs> in that regard, which is, which is really tough. But hopefully, we will all get to games this year to, to say our, our own farewells to Coach K.
3: That, that, that last game. I mean, look, everyone knows it already. Uh, uh, can we, let's go ahead and predict right now what, what is like worst seat in the house for the Duke Carolina game to end the season? Coach K's last game in Cameron. I'm not saying worst. Like the week of the game. How the week of the game. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2,500 for the yeah, worst. That's what I, was, the I, I was thinking about 25, oh, maybe more.
1: No, no, no.
2: Okay. So here, think about this. This, and this wasn't even the last game of that season, the Zion game in Cameron, when he blew out his shoe, we were, you know, it was a very highly anticipated game. Everyone to see that game. The walk-in ticket price for that game was $10,000. It's going beyond ten thousand dollars for this last game with Coach K. I'll say twenty-five, but also twenty-five
1: thousand dollars. Wow.
2: There's only here's the thing: there's only ninety three hundred and fourteen tickets, and as you guys know, eighteen hundred of them or so can't be sold because they go to students. So there is a, and, there's going to be a and those season
3: ticket holder. The season ticket holders are not like, that is the one. No one's selling their ticket. The, right, the whole point You're
1: of right. having season tickets is that you like for years, the whole point of having season tickets is that you get to go to coach K's last game in Cameron and they all know when it is. So right. it's not like you could be caught off guard. Like, Oh, I had a, a thing planned. No, you didn't. No, you didn't because they Look, announced it that, like during a pandemic. But The game is next year. You know exactly what that it is, is.
2: One game, that, that is one with. game where if, if like if you have a ticket to that game, no one else is important. Babies being born, someone getting married, like your work calls it, nobody's just a wedding. Your baby, get married. You, you, your, your, your daughter will get married
3: tomorrow. Your baby's getting born on, on Friday, but that day, everyone's going to be free. Yo, yo, I want, I want emails, people, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Dbr at gmail.com. Folks, if you are a season ticket holder, I want to know what your number is. I'm not offering it. I'm just right. I'm interested in knowing, you know, is your because you look at, at a certain point everybody has a number. Look, someone comes along and says, Hey, I'm gonna give you a hundred grand for the ticket, you're probably gonna take it. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, look, there's a, look, there's a if, number. If,
2: send us the number. And honestly, if it's a number. I will let you know if that number is nice because if it is, I might just offer it. <laughs>
1: we're not we're not running we're not running a secondary ticket market here. That is, no, not, no, we're not. that is not our job. But we are curious about it. That that much is true. So all right, one other thing that I wanted to comment on that is that is Duke related and is related to this season. Duke men's basketball social media put out a quick video the other day that got me excited about the rookies coming to campus. So we saw Paulo Bancaro, we saw Trevor Keels, we saw AJ Griffin, we saw Jalen Blakes moving in to moving on to campus at Duke. They there was a video of them showing up at the JB Duke Hotel. Coach John Shire was there, Nolan Smith was there. All the guys were there to welcome them. And it was just very exciting for me because a lot of the a lot of the content that we saw over the last year was all the guys wearing masks. It's very like it's very like secluded and isolated and and just sort of reflective of the pandemic. This video, some masks, not as many, but it just felt it was more fun. They were walking around in the lobby of the hotel. They were all, you know, hanging out, being on campus. And, and it just got me, it got me so psyched because this incoming freshman class, I'm excited for a number of reasons. I, I think that when we talked to Paulo Banquero a few weeks ago, we all were impressed with how, how focused he was. We're excited to see that matchup that he's going to have with Chet Holmgren in the Gonzaga game in the fall. We're excited to see what A.J. Griffin does. I don't think we've talked enough about how, how awesome he could be this year for Duke. We're excited about what, what those other guards, Keels and Blakes, are going to bring to this team. And by the way, this is Coach K's last freshman class, and, and you can bet that these guys are going to be talking about that from day one, about how excited they are to be here for this season. Donald what did you take away from that from that Rooks video
2: Well the first thing was you know they talked about the shoe game I know uh, I forget was it Trevor Keels that uh, no one smith was like hey I think
3: it was Keels it looked to me like yeah, it was Keels he, yeah he said that
2: his shoe game was on par or at least you know very close to competing with what he used to have so you know we we said no one was going to step his swag up and he he probably has some motivation to do that before the season starts but I will say one thing when they have a little part where Coach K is talking to the freshman and he talks about just kind of walking around campus at night and just kind of looking up and kind of taking it all in, taking in that moment about how proud he, when he first did that, how proud he felt to be a member of Duke University and a member of this community. I think we all resonate with that because we've all walked in that, in that Gothic Wonderland night. There's a reason why we call it the Gothic Wonderland. And at night it lights up in those lights and you kind of look around, you see the moon and the stars and you kind of see how you know, the calmness of the, of the campus comes about. That's the moment where you're like, not only am I in college, I'm in a very special place. And I I think the, 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 the lesson from that is that coach K wants these freshmen to make it their special place. Everyone, everyone likes to do that. We all like our, our, our players to do that are all, all our student athletes. But for this year, I think everyone seems like they're locked in to make this a very special year. And to do that, they need to understand that Duke is a special place.
3: So my big takeaway from that video Guys, did y'all notice the same thing I did? AJ Griffin has the deepest voice I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it was cra- like all the guys are like saying hi. And he goes, I'm AJ Griffin. It yeah. was, it was like, he, that dude has some serious, serious. Barry pipes. White. Barry White <laughs> must be his uncle. So yeah, exactly.
1: All right. So I love that. I, I love all the hype we want to do. I know that Jason is on a, is on a time limit. And we were planning to do fun, personal coach K stories. So teaser for our next episode or the next time that we get on that there is not news for us to talk about, we're going to do fun, personal coach K stories. I can't guarantee that like, if we are like, Oh, we're going to record on Sunday and then a whole bunch of stuff happens that we're not going to have to talk about that. But next time we talk and we don't have an agenda, coach K stories, they're coming. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we have to talk about what was going on on Capitol Hill this week. It was not the infrastructure bill that, I think a lot of people were excited about it is not the infrastructure bill. We have to talk about name, image, and likeness. We have to talk about the grilling that Mark Emmert took in front of Congress this week. Stick around. We will be right back.
3: This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning we have
2: better weather and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy however for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight we all carry around stress and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar.
3: That's certainly true Donald and with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when Stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy,
2: give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Duke Roundup.
1: All right, we're back. And as I said before the break, we, we need to talk about Mark Emmert. We need to talk about the NCAA and we need to talk about being up on Capitol Hill and how there is maybe, depending on your opinion of, of how serious all of these things are, perhaps far too much attention being paid <laughs> to the NCAA by our representative leaders in, in Washington. So Jason, I'm going to let you have the floor first because I know you get the most fired up for this. And I can't, I can't possibly steal your thunder on this topic. So I'm going to let you take it away. Tell us about the proceedings on Capitol Hill this week that Mark Emmert was a part of and what a colossal mess uh, the the NCAA is in.
3: So we're three weeks. I mean, you have, to, you have to know the background for this. Mark Emmert was up on Capitol Hill because in three weeks, a number of states, California, Florida, Georgia, I, I, I don't remember all of them. I've, I've mentioned them before in the podcast. You can look them up. A number of states are going to have rules that go into place that allow athletes to profit profit off their name image and likeness and yet there are a bunch of other states north carolina being one of them um where uh where, where there are no new laws that allow athletes to to essentially break ncaa rules and uh and profit off their uh of off their athletic talents um and so mark emmert uh has been promising for a while that the ncaa would deal with this and the ncaa would come up with some kind of of way of of keeping the the playing field balanced because it will be really, really not balanced. If university of Florida says, come here and you can, you know, you can sell stuff on your Twitter feed. You can do advertisements. You can hold teaching clinics and stuff like that and make tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Duke says, come here. And you can't do any of that stuff. So the NCAA must deal with this. And July 1st is their deadline to deal with it. And the NCAA has thus far been unable to come up with a solution. So Mark Emmert went to Capitol Hill, to Congress, to the Senate specifically, and he essentially said, hey, you guys should pass national legislation to handle all of this for me. And then then all our problems will be solved. And you know what Congress said? Congress said, nah, we're not going to help you out at all. It was a joke. Uh, First of all, Ted Cruz, who was on the committee, spent time asking Mark Emmert about transgender athletes and whether or not, you know, this is all. Well, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but Ted Cruz, very concerned about whether boys can pretend to be girls and play against other girls. It was, it's this whole thing that with Ted Cruz. And, and so he was asking about that, which has nothing to do with name, image and likeness. Meanwhile, Cory Booker was asking about health care for athletes and, and minimum wages and stuff like that. You know, progressive kind of things that, again, have nothing to do with name, image and likeness. Hey, hey, Mark Emmert, newsflash, buddy. When you go talk to the politicians, they're going to talk about political issues. They don't care about your issues. I'm I'm absolutely shocked to report that Congress decided to grandstand as we are weeks away from the name, image, and likeness deadline, and they didn't do anything to help out Mark Emmert. This this comes as a complete surprise, right? Or not. Mark Emmert, Mark
1: Emmert is basically none of their I mean, like, yes, he's oh. he has he has congressional representation in Indiana. And so maybe the Indiana delegation cares a little bit more about it, but none of those people care about Mark Emmert. And and as you said. It, it is all, all those like hearings are all shows for them, regardless of, of who's up on the stand. They all want to get up and talk about whatever their issue is, whatever side of the aisle they're on.
3: Uh, look, but, look, I, I got a lot more to say about this and I'm going to let you guys jump in and then I'll, I'll come back. But I, I just want to point out one thing. This has been coming for decades. For decades, we've known that this was out there and this was coming. And the NCAA has had its head in the sand and we're now three weeks away. And Mark Emmert's like, hey, Congress, save me. Well, Mark Emmert got a dose of reality this week. Congress is not saving him. The only one that's going to save him is himself. And I don't know that Mark Emmert has the ability to save himself. Donald, take it. And then I, I got more to say on this, but go ahead.
2: When we, when we last talked about this, which it seems like it was like two days ago, well, it was probably a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this is exactly what was going to happen. This is the second most inefficient organization seemingly in America going to the most inefficient organization in America and saying, help me help ourselves. And literally we said before they were going to look at these, look at these dates and realize that they have no timeouts left. And now they're going back to the referee and asking for more timeouts. So the referee is not, is not reffing this game. They, they have other things they need to take care of. So Congress has said, they're like, why are you coming to us? We can't even, you can't even do anything out here. We, everyone comes out here and does absolutely nothing and goes home and talks about how little they did. That's the, that's the end of my politi- political rant here. But The NCAA knew this was coming, and honestly, we all knew how they were going to react to this. They did exactly the playbook that they have been doing for the last five, six, seven years on this particular issue and other issues that they do as well. So I'm not surprised at them coming to Congress. I'm not surprised at the reaction, and I'm not surprised that with uh, less than three weeks to go, we
3: still have nothing. Uh, So here's the remarkable thing about this. No one is saying, I want to point out something really important here. No one is saying the schools or the NCAA should give money to the players. No one's looking at the multi million dollar salaries of coaches and administrators or the multi billion dollar TV contracts and saying, hey, you need to give a piece of that to the players. By the way, it'd be reasonable if someone did say that. No one is saying that. All anyone is saying is, you know what? We should actually stop restricting the players from earning money. We should actually let them earn money on their own. And Even something as simple as that, the NCAA can't get their head around. I I was listening just yesterday to a podcast on Yahoo Sports, Pete Thamel, Dan Wetzel, and Pat Forty, and they were talking about this issue. They had some amazing things you should listen to. It's a fabulous podcast. They pointed out something really obvious that I hadn't even thought about. Mark Emmert is talking about he's really worried about an unbalanced playing field and that it's not fair to schools that some schools are going to be able to give money and other schools aren't. You know what the solution to all this is? Get this. Mark Emmert, he's the guy who enforces the rules. If he wanted to, he could just say, we're going to stop enforcing the name, image, and likeness rules. Poof. Presto. Problem instantly solved. He's the cop. He can tell the cops, stop stop enforcing the laws. And, and that would solve everything immediately. And yet the NCAA is saying, no, we're going to go to court and we're going to sue these states and try and get an injunction and all this other it's like the most obvious solution is right there in front of him and mark Emmert can't even find it
1: jason are you surprised that that mark Emmert doesn't see the writing on the wall i mean isn't isn't his job whether he sees it or not his job is to ignore it right because he he represents a set of constituents who are invested in not progressing to what we all know is the future that is coming so um uh, unsurprised, but, but I, I enjoyed Donald's uh, observation that, that we have the two least efficient uh, enterprises in this country trying to work together on something. So you know that it is going to fail.
3: Last thing I wanted to mention on this. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing content from that Yahoo um, Sports podcast. But folks, if you haven't listened to it, I'll tell you something they talked about, which is really interesting. Um, and I hadn't really thought about this. There, there's a, um, a, a women's lacrosse player for, for B.C., named Charlotte North. Um, BC just won the women's lacrosse national title and Charlotte North was the player of the year. Um, She's the leading goal scorer in women's lacrosse history. Um, In the national title game, she scored six goals. I mean, like Charlotte North is a huge, massive star in, in, in in a sport that we don't pay much attention to, a women's lacrosse. But there are people out there who pay attention to it. There are, you know, little girls who play lacrosse who really love charlotte north and admire her there's no professional league for charlotte north there are plenty of olympic sports like this where uh, you know we, when we think of name image and likeness we think of basketball and football players maybe women's basketball players maybe maybe uh, you know uh, uh, you know perhaps a baseball player or something like that there there are plenty of athletes who are performing in sports where there's no professional league for them their time in college is The only time they're in the spotlight, and Yahoo! These guys on the Yahoo Sports po- Podcast pointed out that Charlotte North could easily, right now, be making good money off of, off of the fact that she's the best women's lacrosse player in the world. She could be conducting clinics, she could be inspiring little girls, um, but she's not able to because of NCAA rules, and that's wrong and unfair. And, and it's and for all of us to sit here and say, Oh, you're denying. Paolo, Ben.
1: So long, Jason. You gone. So, folks, right there, if you think that Jason was really just rolling and then all of a sudden we cut him off, it's, it's actually because he cut himself off because I think he's out of out of phone battery, which means that not only is he gone and he can't finish making his point, but he also can't tell us that he's gone and finished making his point. So we're just going to have to finish making it for him. Donald, I'll give you the last word.
2: I go back to my original statement. We're less than three weeks away. The two least efficient organizations in this country are trying to make something work and neither of them want to work with each other, which is something that everyone in the grit eating world expected. And when it comes down to it, we're going to hit July 1st and this is going to become an issue. That's, That's my prediction. And at the end of the day, We are going to have a real-world problem in the NCAA, and the NCAA doesn't seem like they're up to the task of fixing it, which, again, is par for the course.
1: Jason Evans might be here.
3: I'm back. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes, we can hear you. So my computer obviously crapped out. Oh, well. (laughs) You you knew Uh, what I was saying. Finish your point. You knew what I was saying. I was talking about – the fact of the matter is we think that it's the, the big star athletes who are really being denied something, and, and I just thought it was fascinating. I hadn't really considered the fact that there are, there are star athletes in non-star sports who are also being denied something because the NCAA won't let them make even a small, moderate amount of money off of the fame that they have in that community, and I just think it's a really interesting aspect of this that I don't hear talked about very often.
1: So Jason, while you were gone, we wrapped up the discussion anyway, and we sort of put the words in your mouth. So thank you for coming back and sharing them with us. We need to get out of here. So I am going to say thank you to Donald for coming on and joining us. And thank you, especially to Jason for braving all the various elements and for even calling back on his phone. So folks, you can hear the audio difference between then and now. That was then, this is now, but we have to go. We will be back again. I don't know, sometime soon. I'm sure we have to talk more about John Shire. I'm sure we have to talk more about Coach K. I'm sure we have to interview more people who who know these guys or, or who have known these guys so that we can get even more perspectives about that. Because let's face it, you all want to hear more about Coach K and John Shire. We want to talk more about Coach K and John Shire. So we'll be back very soon to do that. For Donald Wine and for Jason Evans in his car, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 320 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke fan, take us home.